Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat. It's off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. I hope that you are all having a great Tuesday, as we have got a jam-packed show for you today, as you are listening to us on Noonan Zone, WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, and this is going to be a jam-packed show. I'm going to talk about all the high school tournament action in and around the Chattahoochee Valley. We have state playoffs for high school basketball in Alabama. We got region tournaments going on in the Columbus area. I'm also going to have my bracketology show. This week, I add another seed. I'm going to talk about the projected seeds all the way up to number six. And I'm going to go through the history of Teams that have won an NCAA championship and what exactly is a blue blood? And I'm going to touch up on the Super Bowl. Most watched TV show in the history of our country. 123 million people. Maybe it was the Taylor Swift effect or maybe it was just a really good game. Anyway, I'll get into all of that. So let's go ahead and get this show started. So two days after Super Bowl 58, and my thoughts are it still hurts as a San Francisco 49ers fan because I believe the 49ers were the better team and should have put away the Chiefs when they had the chance. When you go three and out on your first three drives in the second half, you don't deserve to win. And I'm not saying the 49ers played bad, but I also think that the Dre Greenlaw injury really hurt them because... Dre Greenlaw had an amazing first couple of drives before he got injured. And I think that was the difference, why the 49ers' defense wasn't as solid. But the Chiefs are the dynasty. Can they three-peat? Well, I mean, it is going to be tough because I think their division is going to be a little bit better. But here is the Super Bowl odds for next year. And right now... The San Francisco 49ers have the best odds to win the Super Bowl, which I find that very surprising. The Kansas City Chiefs have the second best odds. Why don't the Chiefs have the best odds to win the Super Bowl in 2025? Well, let me tell you something. No team in the history of the NFL has ever won three straight Super Bowls. So maybe they're factoring that in to the odds. But the 49ers are not going to to lose a lot of pieces in free agency. They're going to pretty much bring back the same team that went to the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy's going to be a year older. He's still going to be on that $800,000 a year contract, which is 
a gift and the 49ers can just do whatever they want as far as paying players, they're going to bring back just about everybody. The 49ers should be the favorites to reach the Super Bowl once again. But I do find that hard to believe that they are the odds-on favorite to win it next year. Are the San Francisco 49ers the new Buffalo Bills? The last 13 years, three Super Bowl appearances, three heartbreaking losses, seven conference championship appearances. Maybe the 49ers are on to something. I don't think that it is going to be the narrative that Kyle Shanahan can't win the big game after blowing double-digit leads in two Super Bowls. And because you know this was the most watched Super Bowl in history, this fact this was the most watched television show in history, I have got a list. I've compiled a list of the top 11. I'm going to say 11 shows because the top 10 most watched shows in American television history are all Super Bowls. And then number 11, we've got the last episode of MASH that aired in 1983. 105 million viewers watched the last episode of MASH and I wasn't one of them. I mean, I was four. I don't remember. Anyway, 123 million people saw this Super Bowl. And it was the Taylor Swift effect. Taylor Swift right now, because she is the most popular pop singer right now and can be of all time. I think that Taylor Swift might be up there with Madonna, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. She's up there. If you put a Mount Rushmore of female pop singers, Taylor Swift has got to be in the top five. And I think that she is past Beyonce. Sorry, Kanye. But the Taylor Swift effect is real, and I think that's why this was the most watched television program of all time. All right, number two was last year's Super Bowl. 115 million people watched the Super Bowl where it came down to a walk-off field goal and the Chiefs beat the Eagles. Eagles did have a 24-14 lead in that game. Kadarius Toney, who didn't even play in this year's Super Bowl, had a big punt return. Number three, oh boy, the heartbreak of the Seattle Seahawks fans. The Seahawks thought they were going to go back-to-back, just run the football with Marshawn Lynch. The Seahawks are not going to ever get over this. This Super Bowl, where the Patriots beat the Seahawks in Super Bowl 49, Malcolm Butler's interception at the goal line, oh, heartbreaking, took place on February 1st, 2015. 114 million people watched that Super Bowl. The halftime show... Katy Perry and the Dancing Sharks. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Number four was the Super Bowl before, Super Bowl 48. The Seattle Seahawks demolished the Denver Broncos. And I'm surprised this was a blowout Super Bowl and still 112 million people saw this Super Bowl. Maybe because it was in New York City. Bruno Mars did the halftime show. Number five, the Carolina-Denver Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50 in Levi Stadium. This had 112 million viewers that saw this Super Bowl. Number six, Super Bowl 51. And I'm sorry to bring this up to Falcons fans. 28-3 Super Bowl. The Patriots ended up winning 34-28 in overtime with a game-winning touchdown by James White, which I still think his knee was down. But that's neither here nor there. I really wish they had the overtime rules different because I think Matt Ryan would have been able to match Tom Brady scoring a touchdown. 
And the Falcons never got the ball. If they would have won the toss, I think the Falcons would have won that Super Bowl. 111 people watched that Super Bowl, which is shocking because the Atlanta Falcons nationally are not a very popular team national-wise. In fact, I don't even think they're that popular of a team in Georgia because we all love college football in the South. And the Atlanta Falcons don't get the love that they should get with the average fan base that lives in the South. All right, number seven, the New York Giants Super Bowl. Here we go again, the second time, 21-17. to And this is Super Bowl 46 that took place in 2012, 111 million views. The Mario Manningham catch, Eli Manning beats Tom Brady twice, and it's mainly because of just incredible plays by wide receivers. And then going down to the last episode of MASH, 105 million people saw that show on CBS, 1983, I have yet to watch an episode of MASH, so I have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, so here's the other non-Super Bowl TV shows that had the most views. Number two, Who Shot JR? Everybody knows about this show. Dallas, 83 million people watched this episode. See the drop-off? The last episode of MASH had 105 million. The number two show had 83 million. Number two, the Cheers finale. 80 million people watched that. And not trying to spoil anything, but Diane does come back. I know that people that are like good platonic friends think that there's a Sam and Diane thing going on with just about everybody. And it was great to see Diane return to the finale of Cheers. 1994 Winter Olympics. This is, this is number four. 78 million people watched Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding in the Olympics. The scandal. Oh my. Nancy Kerrigan screaming, why? Why? And Tanya Harding claims that she had nothing to do with it. Well, you got to go watch the movie, I, Tanya. Got to go watch the documentary, the ESPN 30 for 30 Price of Gold. This was the most scandalous thing that has ever happened. I mean, it's figure skating and... Somebody's trying to take out Nancy Kerrigan. What are you doing? What this sweet innocent girl? You're 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 hitting her knees with a crowbar? Are you kidding me? Yeah, seventy-eight million people watched this show. Number five, a show called The Day After. It aired on November twentieth, nineteen eighty-three. Seventy-seven million people watched that show. Number six, The Roots Part. Seven took place in 1977. 76 million people watched that. And then number seven, the finale of Seinfeld. 1998, 76 million people watched that. And I have to tell you, that was the most disappointing episode of Seinfeld that I have ever witnessed. I watched the show. It started off strong. George and Jerry the pilot's going to get picked up. They're moving to California. Oh, I was excited for them. Yay, this is great. And, and NBC just feels so bad that they let this show hang for a couple of years. They let them use a private jet. It's like, hey, where do you want to go? Oh, let's go to Paris. Let's go to Russia. Let's go somewhere. And then uh, Kramer 
causes the plane to crash. They end up in Connecticut and then the Good Samaritan Law. And first of all, lining up all these witnesses because you want to have a nostalgia show. You want to just have like a flashback show and bring back all the main characters from Seinfeld. It was a terrible plot. Nothing they were doing was against the law. And they ended up, in the end, not trying to spoil it for anybody who have never seen Seinfeld, they ended up in jail for a year. It was the most stupidest plot to a finale, and 76 million people watched it. I guarantee you, 76 million people were disappointed because the finale was terrible. All right, that's my rant for TV shows. It has nothing to do with sports. But those are the most watched shows in television history. And Super Bowl 58, 123 million views. Wow. All right, we're going to take a first break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about high school basketball in the Tri-City area and where we are going to be for Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. You don't want to go anywhere. It's a sports beat with Richard Holdridge presented by Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. We'll be right back. Yeah. Stick around. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bug, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan, 770-954-9941. It's the best in sports and entertainment. And get locked in and locked down with Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. With your host, me, Ryan O'Neill, each and every morning. Right here with the best in sports and entertainment. All the way from professional sports to college sports to River Dragons hockey. And everything in between, including some of the very best local and national guests. It's the Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. Right here on 99.1 FM WQEE. After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in point one miles. <sighs> Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Tune in each Sunday morning right here on WQEE 99.1 FM for the key for help from a high with Bishop Daniel Hardaway Sr. of Redemptive Life Worship Center at 9 a.m. Hear the word of God and soak it in. You can join us for our live Sunday service at 10 o'clock a.m. till 12.30 p.m. at Redemptive Life Worship Center at 2265 Highway 54 in Marlin, Georgia. Have a blessed week. We are back here on the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. You know, Thrift Behringer and I were at the campus of Shaw yesterday as we called the play-in game for the region tournament. We have the Shaw girls. They were taking on the Cairo Syrup Makers. 
And, you know, I called that game first. And like I always do when I'm on the broadcast, I like to look up the school and the history, famous alumni. And Cairo's got a rich tradition of basketball, especially on the girls' side. You know, they had a 1-21 season this year. But, you know, when it comes to region tournament play, it's a clean slate. It's a brand new season. The Cairo Syrup Makers came to play in that first half. But the Shaw Lady Raiders do pull away with the 74-52 victory over the Syrup Makers, where they will face the number one seed, Hardaway Lady Hawks, undefeated. They're playing them on Wednesday, tip-off at 7.30 at the campus of Hardaway High School. And Cairo, I got to tell you, on the broadcast, I was getting a little nostalgic. Cairo is not only the birthplace of Jackie Robinson, but it also was the home to one of the greatest female basketball players to ever live, Teresa Edwards, who went to multiple Final Fours at the University of Georgia, an Olympian, WNBA player. It was considered the female Michael Jordan, and she was a syrup maker. She went to Cairo High School in the early 1980s. Another player that went to Cairo, Kennesaw State's Willie Harris, also played for the Chicago White Sox, won a World Series with Columbus's Frank Thomas, by the way, in 2005. That was a very special World Series, by the way. Yeah, I'll get into pitchers and catchers reporting because we have one day left, but that's going to be for another time here on the show. So Shaw's playing Hardaway. The game that Thrift and I called It was Hardaway and Shaw boys for the fourth time. Remember, these two teams met in the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament as Hardaway beat Shaw to get third place. Shaw ends up beating Hardaway in overtime, and we know how hostile the Shaw Gymnasium is. These two rivals had a lot of fans that came to the game, and even had the Shaw girls and the Hardaway girls, they were in attendance And uh, they're getting ready for their game on Wednesday. And so they were having some fun and they were cutting up with each other. It was really a great time. A lot of coaches who are who's who were in the stands. And uh, you got Columbus State head basketball coach Robert Moore, who was also in the stands, just looking at an incredible game that was going back and forth. I mean, this game was 32-32 at the half. But Hardaway ends up winning 76-72, led by Makai Benton's 25 points. For Shaw, Trey Atkins chipped in with 22. Matthew Lewis had some huge threes. He had 18 points. And it's sad to see that one of these teams is going home. And the Shaw Raiders have had a very successful season. They finished the season 12 and 12 overall, 2 and 5 in the region. And really, it's because the region is so tough. Shaw got a home game because the game they were supposed to play against Westover was canceled. If you all remember, a couple of weeks ago, Westover and Cairo, there was a brawl in the stands, and there were some suspensions, and Westover, it cost them a game. And so it really cost them a chance to host the region tournament. Cairo ended up hosting the region tournament. And they are going to host the semifinal and the championship. And that's who Hardaway plays next. On Thursday, they will take on the Syrup Makers. The number two seed is Westover. They are going to take on Bainbridge. And so the Shaw Raiders season is over. This was a win and end situation. The Hardaway Hawks are going to the playoffs. 
They are at least going to get a number four seed. But if they can't beat Cairo on Thursday, they will have an opportunity to get the number three seed because there will be consolation games. But I believe that the Hardaway Hawks are capable of beating Cairo as they've played a lot of close games. Two and six in the region, but four of those games went down to the final play and it could have went either way. We did have another play-in game on Monday at Thomasville as the Columbus Lady Blue Devils season comes to an end as they lose to Thomasville 49-42. to But I got to tell you, what an incredible job by their second-year head coach, LaShonda Adams, who improved Columbus's win total from 5-9. to Thomasville is going to clinch a playoff berth, and they will play the Carver Lady Tigers this Wednesday on the campus of Carver High School as Monroe takes on Doherty in the first game. And then remember, Monroe is hosting the championship in the consolation games as they were the overall number one seed for the boys. So here are the region tournament games that's going on today as the Columbus Blue Devils are hosting Crisp County. If Columbus wins this game, they will be in the playoffs. You also have the Carver Tigers, who are the number three seed. They are taking on Thomasville. Carver wins that game. They'll get the number three seed at least, and they will make the playoffs as well. Also, you have Kendrick hosting some first-round games in their region. Remember, they have eight teams, so they're going to have more opportunities in their region tournament to try to clinch a playoff berth. So let's start with the Kendrick Lady Cherokees who are hosting Ace Charter. That game's going to be at 6 o'clock. At 7.30, the Kendrick Cherokees hosting Ace Charter. The Jordan Red Jackets are on the road in Macon taking on Northeast. This is a play-in game for the right to get to the next round of the tournament. And then on Wednesday... The Jordan Lady Red Jackets are going to await the winner of Northeast and Rutland. So the bracket looks a little bit different for Spencer, Kendrick, and Jordan's region. Remember, Spencer is the overall number one seed. They will host semifinal and championship and consolation games on Friday and Saturday as they await the winners that's going to be in these tournament games. So good luck to them. Good luck to the Spencer girls who are also going to be awaiting some tournament winners as well. Some of the other games of note, including the Northside Lady Patriots taking on Northgate tonight. Harris County is hosting McIntosh. We got the LaGrange Lady Grangers on the road taking on Trinity Christian. And then the Calvary Christian Knights. They are in the Gaps playoffs, this is a first-round game as they are taking on the Hills Academy. The winner of this game will take on Cherokee Christian on the road. Remember, Calvary finished second behind Creekside Christian Academy, who is the overall number one seed. The Calvary girls have a bye in the first round of the Gaps playoffs. They will await the winner of Rock Springs Christian Academy and the Keens Academy. I will try to keep you posted updated on everything going on we still have the region tournament for the GIAA playoffs Brookstone is hosting St. Mary's on the boys side Strong Rock Christian is going to be hosting the Brookstone Lady Cougars that's going on as well remember Pacelli boys and girls have buys they will await winners as they get ready 
in the region tournament as the championship game is going to be this Friday on the campus of Heritage High School in Noonan, Georgia. And Georgia Alabama Sports Live will be having that game. Don't forget, you can catch Thrift Behringer as he is calling the Calvary Hills Academy game in the first round of the Gaps State Playoffs on the campus of Calvary Christian. You can catch that game on Georgia Alabama Sports Live tip-off at 6 p.m. As the region tournaments wrap up the championship, we will find out who the seeds are. The upcoming playoff schedule for the GHSA is as follows. The first round games will be February 20th and 21st. Second round games will be February 23rd and 24th. Quarterfinals will be February 27th through the 29th. Final four games will be March the 1st through the March the 2nd. And then the championship week is going to be March 6th through March the 9th. And so over in Alabama, the Russell County boys, you know, they get a playoff win at home against Miguel Tulin on Saturday. They are going to be in Montgomery at Garrett Coliseum on February the 15th, taking on Carver Montgomery. That is going to be a very tough matchup. February 14th, you got the Central Lady Red Devils. 10 o'clock tip Eastern, taking on Foley. The Auburn Lady Tigers, February the 14th, is taking on Daphne. The Central Boys, 2.30 tip-off on February the 14th. That is tomorrow. They're taking on Fairhope. The Auburn Boys are taking on Daphne. There's a possibility we could see an Auburn Central second-round matchup because looking what the bracket looks like, that is a big possibility. Over in 2A, the Lafayette boys, they get the 67-31 victory over Fife. They are taking on section on February the 16th. The Lynette girls get the 48-40 victory over Fife. They are taking on Pisgah on February the 16th. And the Valley boys, the defending 5A champions, they are taking on Selicaga on February the 16th. That is the look of Alabama as the AISA is in the books. I want to give Lee Scott Academy their flowers because, you know, I did call the Glenwood Girls Championship game as they beat Lee Scott Academy. Well, the Lee Scott Academy Warriors were in action against Bessemer Academy. That was the game after our game. We didn't stay for that game. We actually got on the road and uh, got back at a decent time. Of course, I went to Bucky's. I mean, who doesn't go to Bucky's when you're going to Montgomery to call a basketball game? But the Lee Scott Academy Warriors do win the state title over Bessemer Academy, and it is their first state title since 2014. Congratulations to the Lee Scott Academy Warriors. And I cannot wait until the AHSAA 3A rivalry between Glenwood, Lee Scott, as Beulah and Dadeville also going to be in their area as well. I was actually taking a sneak peek of the what the 3A playoffs look like. Beulah girls ended up losing in the first round. But you also have Randolph County that uh, was able to uh, get past their matchup. So I'm really looking forward to the basketball playoffs. And it got me thinking, as I was going through the history books in this last century, all the state champions, not only in Columbus, but the surrounding areas like Valley winning a state championship last year. You know, there are some teams that we have rankings. Me and Thrip Banger have the George Alabama Sports Live show. We have our rankings for a reason. 
The top teams usually are the teams that can win a state championship. For the girls, we have the Hardaway Lady Hawks at number one. They went to the Final Four last year. The team they lost to, the Griffin Bears, lost a lot of players on that team. And they played them close. And Griffin ended up winning the state championship. Hardaway's been dominant. And they play Shaw on Wednesday. I expect Hardaway to not only win this region, but they are going to get an overall number one seed. Could host an Elite Eight game if the GHSA coin flip goes their way. They have just a smooth path to the Final Four, and I do believe that they are the team to beat in 4A. Now, the rankings they have, when they ranked all the girls' teams in the state of Georgia, they had Baldwin ranked number one in 4A. Hardaway wasn't even in the top 25. And this includes all classifications, including 7A all the way down to single A Division II. The Hardaway Lady Hawks were not in there. I feel that that is a disrespect toward what Coach Kelly Ellison has been doing and what the Hardaway Lady Hawks have been doing all season long. Michaela Johnson, who was in attendance last night at the Shaw Hardaway game, just a dominant player. You have A.K. Shelton. You got Janiah Hardy. You got some ballers. And not only does Hardaway have depth, uh, but they can smother you with their zone defense and they are long they could rebound they could block shots and uh, they could find any way they can to win the game and i believe that hardaway should be the team to beat in 4a now on the boys side we have pacelli ranked number one for a reason because coach Corey black stacks the schedule with 7a 6a 5a schools pacelli is ranked the number one team in the GIAA according to classification 4A. I expect the Pacelli Vikings to be in the championship game, which will be held at Columbus State March the 1st and the 2nd. We actually got the bracket. They plan on playing March the 1st, Friday at 8, if they make it all the way to the championship. And I am proud to say that my broadcast partner, Thrip Barringer, once again, as he called the GIAA football state championships, has been selected to be the play-by-play voice of the GIAA basketball championships, which will take place at Columbus State University. All classifications of basketball in the GIAA will be held on the campus of CSU. And I do believe that the Pacelli Vikings should be the favorites to win the state championship in the GIAA. Now, for the other teams, can Central win a state championship with 7A? Well, it's a little bit more challenging, especially since they have to play Auburn in the second round. That's going to be a tough second-round matchup. I think that Valley could repeat as champions in 5A. And on the girls' side, you know, the Auburn Lady Tigers look really solid. The Central Lady Red Devils, I mean, Jabria Lindsay, when you have a superstar like Jabria averaging 29 points a game. She could get hot in the tournament, and uh, the Central Lady Red Devils could uh, make a big run in the tournament as well. The Carver Lady Tigers, Coach Anson Hunley, he's got two championships, one in 19, one in 21. He's got a very good senior-led team, led by Chubb Williams, the point guard, Jasmine Thornton, Aubrey Wilkins. He has got some players. Carver, even though they went undefeated, uh, they are not hosting the region championship because that's going to be at Monroe because it's at the highest seed for the boys. But Carver does play Thomasville on Wednesday. I think that Carver can make a deep run in the tournament. And I think the Spencer boys for 2A, they did go to the quarterfinals last year. I think that the Spencer Green Wave, led by their head coach, Quantavius Allen, 
can make a deep run in the state playoffs once again. So it got me thinking. I wanted to go through the state champions in the last 25 years that have won championships, and I'm just including the teams out of Columbus. So let's start with the 2007 Jordan Red Jackets, led by their head coach, Gerald Turner. They went 26-6 and that year. They lose to Carver in the region tournament championship. They beat East Hall in the final 65-53. They were led by their leading scorer, Terrence Hill, who averaged 20.9 points a game, 7 assists a game, and 4 steals. He was just incredible. Winfred Ivory and Steve Perkinson were also on that team, the 2007 Jordan Red Jackets. By the way, 2008 they lose to the quarterfinals, Glen Hills. They actually had a two-loss team in 2008. Coach Turner was building something special at Jordan, and uh, that is why he is a legendary coach. Now, we get into probably one of the most incredible runs in girls' basketball history. Coach Sterling Hicks had not only a juggernaut at Kendrick, but just an incredible decade run of making it to the Final Fours, making it to championship games, it started in 2004 when they made it to the Final Four. But their first of two championships came in 2008 when Kendrick went 32-0, and beating Carrollton in the championship 79-67. Janae McKinney was the leading scorer, averaging 19 points a game. Mukaya Myrick had 13 a game, and Ashley Barley averaged 10 a game. And then... Here we go, because this is where the run really started. 2009, they lose to Rutland in the championship. 2010, 30-1, they lose to Carver of Atlanta in the championship. Their only loss was in the championship. 2011, 29-1, they lose to Greater Atlanta Christian in the championship. Okay, so 2012, they lost in the second round. Uh, 2013, they go to the final four. They lose... To Laney, but they went 30 and 1 that year. And then 2014, another undefeated season, 29 and 0. They beat Wesleyan in the championship. Kalia Lawrence just had a dominant season 26.2 points a game, 7.1 rebounds. This was a complete dynasty. Coach Sterling Hicks had a great staff. Anson Hunley was on his staff. The Carver girls head basketball coach now and I, I think what the Kendrick Cherokees had done can be duplicated but it's just going to take some time you know, winning multiple state championships that's what coach Anson Hunley's done at Carver but I, I expect the Hardaway Lady Hawks to, to make a run like this I mean we got some teams that could duplicate what the Kendrick girls did from 2004 to 2014 all right, the 2017 Columbus Lady Blue Devils, 25-5, led by Coach Joe Sharon. They lose to Carver in the region tournament. Remember, they split the series against their region rival, and they end up beating the Carver Lady Tigers in the championship 68-67. This was the first loss in a championship game by Coach Anson Hunley. Carver would end up bouncing back a couple years later, but this Columbus Blue Devils team, which I was at Columbus for the middle school semifinal championships, I was just admiring the picture which Coach Joe Sharon and his team 
And this wasn't really a, a thing that happened out of nowhere. I mean, this was a very special team led by Tatiana Wyatt, averaging 22 points a game. Ariah Copeland averaged 16.4 points a game. And, you know, Columbus has had his history of great basketball players that would go on to play at the next level. Kataya Swainer. If you don't know who Kataya Swainer was, she went on to play for the UConn Huskies. She would later go to play in the WNBA. Her jersey is displayed out there in the foyer of the gymnasium near the concessions. And really, the Columbus Blue Devils had an amazing season under Coach Joe Sharoni. All right, let's fast forward to 2019 because there's a sign outside of Columbus that honors both the boys and girls teams. The Carver Girls, 33-0 in 2019. They defeated Spalding 56-44. This would be the first championship of legendary coach Anson Hunley, led by Olivia Cochran's 19.5 points a game. She is a senior at Louisville, averaging 11 points a game. Janiah Love-Hill, averaging 14 points a game. And Kiana Gaines, as a sophomore, averaged 12 points a game. Gaines would go on to average 20 points a game in the 2021 season. That was shortened because of COVID, but the Carver girls ends up winning their second championship in three years. Now let's go Carver Boys 2019. Warren Beulah. The court is named after the legendary coach Beulah. 26 and 5. They beat their region opponent, Sumter County, 58 to 55 in the championship. They are led by their leading scorer, AJ Watts, averaged 20.6 points a game. Some of the other Notable players on that team, Jalen Keene, Devin Flowers, who also played on the Carver football team. The 2021 Carver girls, 15-2 overall. They beat Cairo in the championship. And this was really the coming out party for Kiana Gaines, who had another ring. She won a ring with Coach Anson Hunley in 2019, wins another one in 2021. And this is also seeing breakout star Kaylee Simpson, who averaged 2.5 steals a game. Simpson was on the team that went to the Elite Eight last year. And finally, the last champion in Columbus that we recognize happened two years ago. I remember exactly where I was. I was listening to the state championship game on 95-7 as Carlos Williams called that state championship game. The Spencer Green Wave, 30-2 overall, 16-0 in the region. Head coach Quantavius Allen winning a championship in 4A, their only losses that season was to 7A East Coweta and to 5A Dutchtown. They beat Westover 62-42 in the championship. They beat LaGrange. I mean, they smoked them in the region championship 73-45. They had incredible players like Tyson McDaniel, TJ Cochran, Tony Montgomery when he was a freshman, Gary Gaither, Vashawn Moody. This team was stacked and they win a championship, and really, I think that Spencer can make a deep run once again. So those are the championships in the last 25 years in the state of Columbus. You could tell that we love basketball here in Columbus, and as much as I love basketball, Thrip Barringer loves basketball, we want to just be a big part of this community and support not only high school basketball, middle school basketball, because you could see there's a huge fan base for middle school basketball in the city, and of course the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars as well, and CVCC Hoops, and they got some good teams over there in Phoenix City. All right, 
We're going to take a break. Final break of the show. When we come back, I'm going to have my Bracketology show. You don't want to go anywhere. It's a sports beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live, and we'll be right back. This is the show, and we're not going to change it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location. Bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Help protect your family from flu this season by taking three easy steps. First, get yourself and your family a flu shot. It's quick and can protect you all season. Second, take everyday actions to help prevent the spread of germs like flu. Cover your cough, stay home from work or school if you're sick, and wash your hands often. Third, there are drugs that can treat flu illness. These work best when started early. Learn more at cdc.gov slash fight flu. We are back here on the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. Final segment of the show before I get you out of here. It is my bracketology show, and the new AP poll came out. No surprise that the number one team is the Yukon Huskies, followed by Purdue, Houston, Marquette, and Arizona. And so when it comes to the bracketology show every week, I add another seed until we get to probably 16 seeds. I, I don't think I'm going to get to 16 seeds before we have Selection Sunday, which will be in about a month. But we still have a regular season going on. We still have some teams fighting for their tournament lives. But we have a new AP poll. I'm going to talk about all the seeds up to number six. But if you want to get technical... The last four buys, according to Joe Lenardi from ESPN, those are the teams that don't have to play in the play-in game that are going to be getting into the NCAA tournament. Usually these are number 10 seeds. And so the last four buys, according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi, are Butler, Boise State, TCU, and Nebraska. All right. The last four in, these teams will be playing as 11 seeds in the first round of the NCAA tournament that usually takes place on Tuesday and Wednesday that week after Selection Sunday. New Mexico, 
Remember, they got they lost to UNLV. That that's why I just don't think New Mexico is going to get into this tournament. But you know, you never know. I mean, they got some tough games ahead of them. Ole Miss, you know, Ole Miss is still just a ranked team. They were one of the top teams in the SEC. Nevada, you know, I like Nevada. I think that Nevada is a very reasonable team that can get into this tournament. I remember back in the early 2000s when Mark Fox coached Nevada and you know they were just making a deep run. I remember 2004, incredible run to the Elite Eight, but they ended up losing to Georgia Tech. Uh, the Utah Utes out of the Pac-12, which the Pac-12 has really been down this year. My first four out, Wake Forest, Gonzaga, yes, Gonzaga could miss out on the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1998. Yeah, that would officially end the dynasty for Gonzaga. Seton Hall, you know, and I, I like Coach Holloway. I liked what he did at St. Joseph's. I want to see Seton Hall in this NCAA tournament. I remember that team, 1989, making it to the championship against Michigan. Roley Massimuno leading those Seton Hall Pirates. I, I'm a huge fan of Seton Hall. I, I think that Seton Hall... One of those teams I, I love just rooting for if they could get in the tournament. And Cincinnati, you know, since they moved to the Big 12, it's going to be a lot more difficult for Cincinnati to make it in to the NCAA tournament. All right, my number one seeds, and this is according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi. I know some people say, why can't you just make up your own bracketology? Well, I mean, Joe Lenardi's the expert. And, you know, I'm enrolled in bracketology. You know, I take classes online in the evenings. You know, I'm trying to make sure that I get credit for enrolling in Bracketology 101 because I've been doing this just about every year since I've done my podcast. All right, the number one seeds, Purdue, UConn, Arizona, and Houston. You're probably wondering, well, why is Marquette ranked number four in the AP poll and they're not a number one seed? Well, I think it's because they're projecting that Arizona has a little bit better strength of schedule and that they are going to win the Pac-12. That's he, neither here nor there because Marquette, which, by the way, is the last non-football school to win a championship. They won it back in 1977. Marquette is projected to be a number two seed along with Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kansas. Kansas actually got upset once again against Texas Tech on the road. I mean, what is up with these ranked teams that are considered blue bloods getting upset by unranked teams on the road? I just don't understand it. And then you got the number three seeds. Duke, Alabama, Auburn, Iowa State. Not too bad. The number four seeds, Dayton, Baylor, Wisconsin, and Illinois. The number five seeds, BYU, Creighton, San Diego State, and South Carolina. And I'm adding the number six seeds as you got Florida Atlantic, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Kentucky. Now, even though Kentucky is a tournament team, I think that they are doomed. I think they're going to have a first-round loss, kind of like the year when they were a number two seed and they got upset by St. Peter. Yeah, we're talking about an upset here, but you know, don't be shocked if Kentucky figures it out in the tournament. Remember, they were a number eight seed. They made it all the way to the championship in 2014. And that's a good segue for a list. You know, what exactly is a blue blood in college basketball? When we think of blue bloods, we think of Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky. 
And you, if you want to throw in UCLA, they, they were considered a blue blood because of their dominance in the 1970s. But I just don't know that UCLA is going to be back on that level once again. You could throw in Villanova when Jay Wright was the coach. I mean, Villanova ends up winning two championships in three years, one in 16 and one in 18. Or what about UConn? Is UConn considered a blue blood? Five championships? That would probably consider UConn as a blue blood, even though I am not a fan of just how UConn ended up winning their championships because I still think that UConn is the luckiest team in college basketball. But UConn, the defending NCAA champions who defeated San Diego State last year, they picked up their fifth championship because they just happened to be in the right place at the right time. They got hot when it mattered the most. And uh, UConn ended up winning a championship last year. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to all the NCAA championships all the way to the year 2000. Remember, UConn, they won at 99. They were a huge underdog against that 99 Duke Blue Devils team. I don't really count that championship. We go in the history books in this last century and break down all the championship teams and whether or not they were a blue blood or not. All right, Kansas, 2022. They beat North Carolina. Kansas obviously considered a blue blood. It was also their second championship in the last 25 years. They won one in 08, and that was the last time they won a championship since Danny and the Miracles back in 1988. Baylor, not really considered a blue blood, but they win the championship in 2021, and good for them. And I was just happy for Baylor for winning the championship against Gonzaga. Now, if Gonzaga would have won the championship, you know, we can consider them a blue blood, even though they would be the not the first non-football school to win a championship since Marquette in 1977. No champion in 2020 because of the COVID year, although I still think that Kansas would have won the championship that year if they continued to play basketball, which is still heartbreaking that they did not have a championship crowned in 2020. 2019, the Virginia Cavaliers, Tony Bennett, he left his offense in Charlottesville. Great defensive team. DeAndre Hunter was on that team. I still think that Auburn should have beat them in the Final Four. But that's another non-blue blood that won a championship. I like seeing parity in college basketball. And that's what the Virginia Cavaliers did. Villanova wins it in 2018. With Jay Wright, North Carolina won it in 2017. Obviously, North Carolina's a blue blood. Villanova's considered a blue blood. They win it in 2016. The Duke Blue Devils winning it in 2015. That was Coach K's last championship. Duke beat Wisconsin, who upset Kentucky, one of the best teams ever in college basketball. I mean, they had Carl Anthony Towns. They had Willie Cauley-Stein. They had Devin Booker. Uh, that was a team that I thought was going to win the championship. But Duke got lucky. They got to play Wisconsin in the championship. All right, the UConn Huskies. This was a team that was led by Shabazz Napier. And they beat Kentucky that year. Kentucky was a number eight seed. And uh, that was one of UConn's luckiest titles. 2013, vacant. Boy, I tell you what, vacant and it only has one championship, and it's 2013. Now, I'm kidding. Obviously, the Louisville Cardinal won the championship in 2013, but 
it was considered vacant because of all the scandals and Rick Pitino and everything. Uh, but that championship won by Michigan, I still think you give Michigan the championship. If they vacate the championship, you give the championship to the runner-up. That's why I think that Auburn should be winning a national championship in 2004 because USC gave up that championship in 2004 in college football. Kentucky, 2012, Anthony Davis. I mean, what can you say? It was the most dominating player in college basketball. 2011, the Kimba Walker, UConn winning it over Butler. Again, a lucky championship because Butler was just happy to be there. Duke ends up winning against Butler. Butler making it to the championship back-to-back years. Brad Stevens, what an accomplishment for the Butler Bulldogs. North Carolina winning it in 2009. Kansas, don't remind me about Kansas beating Memphis in 2008. Mario Chambers hitting that three to send it to overtime. Memphis had this game won. That's all I'm going to say. And I think if Memphis would have won the game, do you think that they lose out on a championship because of Derrick Rose SAT scandal? They don't get to hang a championship runner-up banner at the FedEx Forum. It still hurts to this day. All right. Florida, it was the last team to go back-to-back, 07-08. UConn is trying to be that team this year. 05, North Carolina. I'll tell you what, the last 25 years, North Carolina's won three titles. I think that that is an accomplishment in itself. UConn wins it in 2004. That was a powerhouse that was taken on a Georgia Tech team that was just happy to be there. 2003, Carmelo Anthony single-handedly leads Syracuse to a national title. I mean, really, he was a freshman, and he was the best player in college basketball that year. 2002, that was the Juan Dixon, the Maryland Terrapins, Gary Williams. You know, it's going to be tough to just duplicate a, a team that just came out of nowhere and won a championship, and not considered a blue blood, by the way. Duke won it in 2001, and then Michigan State ended up winning it in 2000 with Mateen Cleave. So that is the champions of the last 25 years. All right. You know what? Had a fun show. And I know that the criticism is, well, how come you don't have a guest again? Well, look, I'm not going to go out and try to ask a bunch of people if they want to be on this podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, just message me. I will get you on the podcast. I've had regulars on this show. We've all had busy schedules. I mean, there are times where I feel like, oh, I got to get a guest on the show, but I could do this show without a guest. I have proven this time and time again. I could go the full hour without a guest. With that being said, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Like, subscribe to the Facebook channel. I'm also on the X. You could find me at Sports Richard H on the X. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I got a YouTube channel. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show. We're going to go the full hour. No guest once again. That is how I like doing it. Thank you once again for tuning into the show, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. And then send it to the internet.
At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh, right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy. Because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Mm, good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Well, each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Crispin. WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times best-selling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters, by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
You've been listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. You can catch an episode daily on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. This is a podcast that covers local sports to the Chattahoochee Valley. If you would like to catch a replay of the show, you can download an episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.